Hello and welcome to On Air with Myrick O'Connell. I'm Howard Kaplan. This on-air podcast features attorneys from Myrick O'Connell, a full-service law firm with offices in Worcester, Westboro, and Boston. Today's guest is attorney Brian Falk. Brian is a municipal and land-use attorney in Myrick O'Connell's public and municipal law group and real estate and environmental law group. You can learn how Brian and his colleagues at Myrick O'Connell can assist you with your business and personal legal needs by visiting MyrickO'Connell.com. We should note we're recording this episode in the midst of the coronavirus or COVID-19 crisis. This pandemic has demanded, for sure, action, of course, by federal and state government. But local government also has a big role to play, and Massachusetts municipalities have seen major changes, as I think most of us know, in their focus and operations in recent weeks. Brian will help us sort this all out in this episode of On Air with Myrick O'Connell. Brian, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Howard, thank you. What I would uh, ask you first is, what issues are local governments facing just broadly during the COVID-19 emergency? Towns and cities are facing major disruptions, like every sector of the economy. Um, Many aspects of local government are essential services under the governor's order, uh, so they must remain open, like police and fire, um, but also certain local inspectional and enforcement agencies. Town halls and city halls are closed to the public. They're working with skeleton crews to handle day-to-day business. Um, some are even closed entirely and entirely working remotely for the time being. And that's any remote work by a municipal employee is actually quite unusual. That's not typically done in local government, which, you know, here is, you know, providing constituent services usually in person. So this is a new world. You know, I've been doing local government law for 14 years, and I'm inside a town or a city hall at least once a week, if not more. Now I haven't been inside a municipal building in about a month. Uh, which is very odd for me. But every day brings up new questions for towns and cities that are maintaining operations during this crisis. And municipal attorneys like me are basically running phone and email hotlines, um, dealing with issues and figuring out legal issues, which change by the hour. Uh, we're, we're actually busier than usual uh, working remotely. Some of us forget that the municipal folks and offices are really the very first line of communication. It's kind of amazing that you mentioned that uh, you haven't been in a municipal building. That's right, for a month. It's been about a month now. Wow. Yep. What is the role, Brian, of local government in terms of managing this emergency? Police and fire, as I mentioned, you know, they continue as usual, but they've got now the added responsibilities of enforcing the governor's orders on on uh, public um, meetings and gatherings and, and quarantines, etc. Uh, every Town and city has a local emergency management official that coordinates emergency relief efforts as needed, and they're, they're mobilized now. To a large degree, it's, it's local boards of health that are on the front lines um, with this. You know, by law, boards of health have broad authority to protect public health and take measures to stop the spread of infectious diseases. And the governor's order regarding uh, workplace shutdowns and public gatherings specifically authorizes local boards of health with the support of local police to enforce restrictions. And that's something that's very new to boards of health. I mean, they're usually dealing with, you know, licensing and and, and septic installations and and things like that, although they do have broader duties, and those are coming into into play right now. You know, overall, local government right now is working closely with state agencies 
to implement a coordinated statewide effort and slow the spread of the virus. Sure. Now, how are local governments handling public meetings during this time? It must be a real um, change of the MO here. It is a major, major change. You know, a defining feature of local government is is the public meeting. Um, we have the we have the state open meeting law, which says that boards and committees have to hold all their deliberations in person, in a room that's accessible to the public, um, often with public participation. Now, I've been working with towns and cities for 14 years on transparency and trying to avoid the the closed door and and, and telephone deliberation. You know, now, as of March 12th, the governor authorized public meetings by remote access, which you know allows local committees to continue to operate despite the restriction on public gatherings of more than 10 people. I mean, usually a local board meeting will have at least 10 people in the room. So suddenly, we have open meetings taking place legally over Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, GoToMeeting. You know, the rule is that the public still has to have real-time access to the meeting. This isn't just a conference call that, you know, boards and committees have on their own. The public has to be able to access the meeting real-time. And if the meeting is a public hearing where there's public participation that's required, that same access has to be provided in real-time. People have to be able to ask questions and make comments during a public hearing remotely. Of course, uh, this, you could argue, prejudices those that don't know how to use high-tech uh, equipment or software or don't have it. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a challenge. You know, we usually advise towns and cities, you know, set up by Zoom or, or go to meeting, whatever you're comfortable with, that, that works well for the board. But for the public to have access, you're absolutely right. Not everybody has internet access or high-speed internet access. So usually government meetings are broadcast on local public access. It it can be live, and we encourage them to do that and to stream it. But Zoom and other features or other platforms often have an option where you can just call in. You're not on video. You can't see anybody, but you can call in and hear and even participate that way. So, you know, they're making it work. It's absolutely imperfect. It's not the way we're used to doing things. But a couple of years ago, even, this wouldn't be available. It would be a big challenge to be able to have continuity of local government, you know, remotely. So, you know, the, the, the timing is, is good in that regard and that we now have, you know, wide broadband, at least in eastern Massachusetts, and the ability of, of boards and, and uh, residents to be able to do meetings this way. For sure. How are they going? And just practically speaking, are most of them going off without a hitch? Technically, uh, have people complained? Just how are they going, these remote municipal meetings? You know, they're like any any remote video meeting that people have been on, you know, a lot, a lot of people, myself included, had never really done this up until a couple of weeks ago. You know, my first experience with a Zoom meeting um, was with one of my, my kids' classroom. Their teachers set one up. Huh. And so I knew I had a Zoom meeting, my first Zoom meeting with a municipal board the next day. And so I helped my son set up his Zoom meeting with his class. And huh. we have 15 second graders and a teacher all talking over each other. And I said, well, this this is a bit of organized <laughs> chaos, but we'll see how the municipal officials handle it. And, and, and they did well. You know, I've done now four different boards of selectmen meetings by Zoom, and I did a site plan committee meeting this week by Microsoft Team. And I have to say, they all went very well, surprisingly well. It's still weird to handle municipal meetings this way. Municipal officials aren't used to to the technology, but but they've adapted quickly. It's like any remote meeting. You, you need to have somebody who's in control, 
who knows the technology. And that's often not the chair and not the minute taker. It's, you know, your cable access director or somebody else who can, you know, manage the meeting and be able to take care of things as needed. You know, that said, there have been instances of what they call Zoom bombing uh, with municipal meetings where people have taken over. Some of them have put out awful offensive material during a you know, a live public meeting, hmm. uh, and they were quickly shut down. Hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, unlike my kids' classroom meetings where the teacher can send out a private password and, and keep the meeting low-key and, and not public, I mean, these are public meetings. We have to provide access to the public to be able to participate. That's the whole point. So, it's again, it's crucial to have somebody in control of the technology who knows the controls well to run the meeting. You know, it can be managed, but it is a challenge for sure. Do you think that these remote meetings at the municipal level might become more commonplace after this emergency? You know, that would require amendments to the open meeting law. The governor's order is just an executive order pursuant to the emergency declaration that allows a temporary suspension of aspects of the open meeting law. So to be able to do this once the emergency is gone, they'd have to amend the open meeting law. But I could see these types of meetings being allowed on a limited basis in emergency situations. You know, I think the crisis has proven that it can be done. It's, it's imperfect, but it can be done. You know, I think of how many times during our winters we have, you know, a city council meeting that gets canceled at the last minute because of a blizzard um, or, some, or an ice storm or something like that. Yeah. The, the option now is you cancel the meeting and you wait two weeks and delay business during that time. If there were an amendment that allowed for, in, you know, weather emergencies or public health emergencies like we're in now – to allow boards to do it remotely with public access. I mean, I think that would be a good step forward. I I don't think it will ever become commonplace, but I think on an emergency basis, it would be a good tool for municipalities to have going forward. That makes a whole lot of sense. The other thing, too, is, Brian, uh, you know, we're seeing lawn signs now and announcements in towns and city centers that local elections, town elections, town meetings are coming up because this is the season. We're going into May, the spring. How is this emergency going to affect all of that? In the local government calendar in Massachusetts, the emergency couldn't have come at a worse time. I mean, this is the time of year when local budgets are being prepared and towns are getting ready for, as you mentioned, the annual town election, town meeting, which usually takes place in the spring. You know, cities are still on the same cycle in terms of doing their budgets, although their elections are usually held later uh, in the fall. Now, this is the time of year when town finance committees are meeting several times a week in March and April going over budget line items. In terms of financing or revenues, local budget estimates right now are up in the air because we don't know what will happen with state aid to towns and cities. Um, that takes up a large portion of local revenue. Last week, state government passed some emergency bills allowing towns to postpone their annual town meetings and elections, and, and most of them are taking advantage of that extra time. So that means campaigns are gonna go on longer, You're going to see those yard signs up until June in some cases. It means that many towns are going to be holding their annual town meeting in June or even July. It's often difficult these days to get people to come out to town meeting anyway. You know, I go to five annual town meetings every spring through my municipal work, and we're often sitting there waiting to get to the quorum of 50 or 100 persons, whatever it is. You know, having an annual town meeting in June or July in warmer months and with sports seasons maybe um, coming up in a condensed fashion and uh, people just getting back to work, it, it may be a big challenge with these delayed 
town meetings to get a quorum, to get the number of people you need in the room to, to do business. One interesting one, the town of Southwick, they held a special town meeting a few weeks ago outside. Wow. Uh, there was some urgent business. They had yeah. urgent business that the voters you know, had to vote on. And so they had people assemble out in a large parking lot, all spaced out, more than six feet apart. Megaphones and mics and the police were there to, you know, maintain uh, order. But they did it. It's, you know, unusual, but it's an option for towns that are concerned with, you know, having 100 people in an auditorium in June when this crisis is hopefully over. I don't think you'd see town meetings remote by Zoom. Um, It's possible, but... The, the, the hitch is, you know, t- town meeting, the annual town meeting is the local legislature for towns and registered voters are the only ones who are allowed to go in. So when you go, the town clerk or, or their staff, make sure you're on the voter list and you're allowed to be admitted into the meeting. That would be really hard to do on a large scale remotely. So I, I tend to think that's not going to be the, the way uh, forward, but you never know. Hmm. A lot of creative thinking, uh, having a large meeting that is open to all outside. That In the warmer weather, that kind of makes sense, actually, with uh, the coronavirus being so easily uh, catchable, uh, so to speak. Right. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thought. Brian, are towns and cities still issuing permits? I'm sure that's a big question for many folks. Yeah, some of them are, some of them aren't. Construction, for the most part, is an, an essential service under the governor's order, so Projects are still going on and, and, and people are still seeking permits, but it's case by case whether um, inspectors are in and able to do inspections. There's been guidance issued um, for local building officials in terms of how to handle inspections actually going out and, and the precautions they need to take um, in order to inspect projects and, and issue permits. In terms of special permits and variances and licenses that are issued by local boards and committees, um, part of the emergency legislation that came out last week extended all of the permit deadlines for special permits, variances, conservation commission orders, extended them all to 45 days after the end of the governor's state of emergency. So we don't know when the state of emergency is going to end, but whenever it does, there's an additional 45 days where um, boards and committees are able to take action on applications um, that have been filed and pending. So that it gives local government some breathing room to issue permits as feasible, given the fact that town halls are, are largely shut down. The bill does allow planning boards and other land use boards to continue holding hearings and issuing decisions. They can do it. They have to do it remotely. Um, and as I mentioned, hearings have to allow both public access and also public participation. You know, I, I have two hearings scheduled for next week. I'm going to be handling for um, some private parties that way. And I, it'll be a challenge, but it can be done. And, and some towns are, are choosing to keep going with business as usual um, in terms of taking up applications and issuing permits. One, thing, one other thing that the, the bill that was passed last week does is it allows for electronic applications. I mean, many towns, you still have to, when you're filing for a special permit or a variance, you have to bring, you know, 25 hard copies of the application and plans in and distribute them around town hall. And that's that's how you file. Now this bill allows you to just do it by email to the town clerk if you want. So applications might still be flowing in. And if, if boards choose to take advantage of the um, deadline extensions, they can do that, but they could find themselves with a big backlog of applications if the applications keep coming in 
during this time, but no hearings are being held. So, you know, that may be a challenge um, for especially smaller towns and cities once the once the emergency ends. That's a really good uh, segue because my wrap-up question is, let's time travel a bit and let's go to a time when hopefully this is all gone or or has yeah. uh, we're on the way to recovery resolution. At that point, what are some of the challenges local government will face? You know, I, I think the, biz, the biggest challenge is going to be financial. The 2021 fiscal year, which starts on Ju- this July 1st, um, that's going to be impacted by, as I mentioned before, a likely drop in state aid. And that wasn't something that was in the cards before the emergency. The economy was good. State revenues were good. No one was really expecting much of a drop in local aid. And local aid to towns and cities makes up a, a big portion of local revenues, and it is variable. It's not something that towns and cities can can plan for, and it doesn't often come out until they've already planned their budget. So now we really don't know what those revenues are going to be, um, and that may require some budget amendments even after these delayed annual town meetings and, and city council votes on, on budget. The, the next fiscal year, fiscal year 2022, which starts next July, that's a huge unknown. But local revenues right now are dropping as projects slow down and, and local receipts aren't coming in as strongly as they have been. And that will impact the next fiscal year. So at a minimum, we're looking at a, a two fiscal year issue with local budgets. And, you know, at that point, when local aid from Beacon Hill drops and local receipts drop, towns and cities have to choose between raising property taxes, which they control, or cutting services. That's not a dilemma that many local governments have faced for the last several years um, while we've had a boom economy. But it, it is a dilemma that they faced, you know, during the financial crisis um, of 07, uh, 08, and, you know, certainly about 10 years prior to that, the last recession. So it's cyclical, uh, but it's a huge unknown in terms of what the impact will be on local budgets. You know, another issue, we talked about permitting, you know, local economic development effort. Um, they may be facing significant challenges. A lot of the plans that were laid out in terms of new projects and zoning incentives to revitalize areas, we really have no idea how this is going to impact those efforts at the local level, Um, because we really don't know yet how the emergency is going to impact, you know, the economy in the long run. Makes sense. Lots and lots of uh, questions, and uh, many of which are unanswered at this point. Today's guest on On Air with Myrick O'Connell has been attorney Brian Falk. Brian is a municipal and land use attorney in Myrick O'Connell's public and municipal law group and real estate and environmental law group. Brian, I know you are really busy, and so thanks so much for taking the time to come on this program. Thank you, Howard. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. How can folks contact you? with uh, questions or concerns? Sure. Well, we're all working full-time remotely, so you can always get me by email, bfalk at myrickoconnell.com, and then my direct phone line is 508-929-1678. Great. Thanks again. You can learn how Brian and his colleagues at Myrick O'Connell can assist you with your business and personal legal needs by visiting myrickoconnell.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. I'm Howard Kaplan. On behalf of Myrick O'Connell and attorney Brian Falk, thanks for joining us. Take care and stay well.